0: Welcome to the second episode of the Yuma podcast series, season three. The season is devoted to reflecting on the last 30 years of Yuma and how wound management has changed in the period since the foundation of the association. In this episode, we'll be discussing how wound management and care has developed since Yuma's 25th year anniversary in 2016. My name is Samantha Holloway. I'm a Reader and Programme Director in the Centre for Medical Education, School of Medicine, based at the College of Life and Biomedical Sciences at Cardiff University in the UK. I'm also the Chair of the Education Committee and Teacher Network of UMA. I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Kirsi Isaherinen and Dr. Severin Lauchley. Dr. Isa Herinen is a specialist in dermatology at the Helsinki University Hospital Wound Healing Centre and currently Yuma Treasurer. Dr. Lauchli is a specialist in dermatology at the University Hospital of Zurich. Dr. Lauchli served as Yuma's president from 2015 to 2017. Welcome to both of you.
1: Thank you, Samantha. Thank, Thank you, Yuma for inviting me to this podcast. It is a pleasure to join this with Severin. And hello to everyone and many greetings from Helsinki. Right now we have a little bit of snow and we'll keep fingers crossed that it remains until Christmas.
0: Thank you, Kirstie. And Dr. Severin.
2: I'm very excited to be part of this very interesting series of podcasts and uh, to be connected with Yuma in this way still.
0: Thank you both. Severin, you were the Yuma president when Yuma celebrated the 25th anniversary of the association. And Kirstie, you have been a key figure in the work of Yuma as a current Yuma council member, as well as Yuma treasurer. A lot has happened in these five years, both with regards to innovation and, of course, especially during the last two years with COVID 19 causing major disruption. Whilst COVID is not the focus of the podcast, I'd like to start by asking you both about your points of view on the more recent developments and trends in wound healing that you've observed. Severin, would you like to answer first?
2: Yes. There have been a lot of exciting uh, developments in the past years since I was human president, and, and, and it's really nice to see that the field of wound care is evolving. It's not a field which is evolving very rapidly, uh, usually. It's not like we have a different situation overnight, uh, but there are many uh, incremental developments which, which really make a difference in, in the way we can care for our patients. Just one thing that comes to my mind in this in this context is that um, a number of years ago we published uh, the Yuma document about advanced uh, treatments, and um, th- there was a nice overview of of many um, really innovative treatments. And since that document uh, was published, there have been so many new things uh, which came up. So many really advanced, uh, and targeted therapy therapies for, for wound healing, um, which I think bring uh, a real difference to, to patients, especially to patients with a difficult to heal wounds with hard to heal wounds, where we can, uh, just give a, a kickstart to, to many wound healing processes and, and increase the speed of them. Of course, another thing which is uh, maybe less uh, nice development in the last two years uh, since the the COVID pandemic, we've had a worsening of the wound care for many patients I also have uh, observed. And uh, because many, many people just didn't get the care anymore that they that they should deserve, they didn't go to their doctors, they didn't go to their wound care centers, they didn't see their nurse anymore so regularly because of the pandemic. And this shows maybe a a little shortcoming in, in some Developments that had started before already, but that have not taken off as much as they should have, maybe with things like teledermatology, with remote wound care, with remote support for these patients.
0: Thank you, Severin. And just going back to the question about recent developments, um, is there an example you can give from your own clinical practice about, you mentioned the advanced therapies, is there one in particular that you can think of that's been, uh, has changed practice a little bit for you?
2: Yes, for example, we are using quite a lot of skin substitutes. We, we are fortunate in Switzerland that um, we, we can uh, use these on, on our uh, patients. And just as one little example um, for my patients with uh, hydrogenitis superativa where we perform uh, often large excisions and wound care is a big problem for these patients because it takes a long time Um, and and using a a matrix product uh, can speed up the healing quite considerably
0: okay thank you that's interesting so Kirsty, if i can move to you um we were talking about recent developments and trends in wound healing that you've observed over the last uh, five years so do you want to share some of your thoughts on that
1: yes thank you samantha Uh, i totally agree with severin and indeed it has been an exciting journey since 2016. i then started at the yuma council and severin was my idol and president at that time. And the, Severin mentioned already the telemedicine, COVID epidemic also gave, gave space to telemedicine. So that that, that has been like a boost uh, in Europe. And of course also artificial intelligence is coming more and more in the wound heal and, and will certainly be a new trend in, in the future years, but still, we have the same challenges because wounds appear to be a silent epidemic. According to a high-class research by Julian Guest and his co-workers, they published in a British medical journal, the annual prevalence of wounds in UK had increased by 71% between 2012 and 2018, and the cost increased by uh, 48%. So this is a real challenge still and, and clearly we need still some more organizational uh, developments and perhaps reorganization also. And uh, this po- the wound epidemic also poses a significant challenge to primary care. The wound patients should obtain a wound diagnosis um, uh, uh, rapidly enough and also the necessary referrals. And luckily, there is a trend in establishing wound healing centers in Europe all over. So I think there is a clear increase in wound healing centers, but still we need the healthcare professionals in primary care that can refer them to the wound care centers. And as a dermatologist, I must say also that I'm happy with the atypical document we published in 2019, because after that, the atypical wounds have been acknowledged as one wound type globally, and because there is uh, there might be a several diagnostic delays in these ulcers, and that could be fatal for the patient. So these are the thoughts that come in my mind in the first thing.
0: Thank you, um, Kirstie. Can I just ask a a couple of follow up questions um, on that? So do you think the burden of wounds uh, that's been reported in the UK, and I don't necessarily like that term burden, but we'll use the term, and the burden of wounds is reflected in your own country. So firstly, Finland, and maybe I'll come to you, Severin, afterwards. But, you know, are we seeing that increasing number, would you say, Kirstie?
1: Yes, we, unfortunately, we see that increase also in clinical practice, mainly because of increasing AIDS of the patients, obesity and diabetes. And one thing is that these patients are um, also very often multimorbid. They have a lot of comorbidities. So there is a real challenge to treat them holistically. But I, I really like also the trend that has been in wound management in recent uh, years, this holistic treatment. As Carrie Sibold has stated, it is not just the hole in the patient, it is the whole patient. And Yuma has published also nice documents uh, on lifestyle and, and there's coming a document on pain and this holistic treatment. And I think that is very important. And of course, the newer technologies also.
0: Yeah, and of course, Kirsty, you're working with a group looking at wound diagnosis, aren't you, which will be something that will be coming out in the future. Yes, yeah, Severin, so just to talk about the trend, we call it the upward trend in wounds. Are you seeing that in your own country, would you say?
2: Yes, definitely. We we do see an, an increase in chronic wounds and we, we clearly see an increase in very polymorbid patients with, with lots of uh, concomitant uh, medical problems. But at the same time, I have to say, and, and I totally agree with what Kersi mentioned there earlier, we also have a clear increase in wound care centers and we, we do have better structures for taking care of, of these patients. And I think th- this is largely thanks to another development, which has really happened over the past few years, that the interprofessional uh, collaboration, not only the interdisciplinary co- collaboration amongst the, the doctors, but also the interprofessional uh, collaboration, has has really improved, especially in countries. As far as I can uh, see, that especially in countries where this was traditionally not something that was uh, being done, there are many countries like uh, Scandinavian countries, like um, like the UK, where I think this has a long tradition that. The nurse-led uh, wound care centers, for example, are, are normal there. But in many other countries, this did not exist uh, many years ago. And, and in these countries, I think there, there has been a, a big step in, in interprofessional collaboration. And so we, we do have a larger number of patients, but at the same time, we also have uh, better structures to take care of them.
0: That's good to hear, and of course, you know, just to remind our listeners that uh, Yuma does have a wound center endorsement um, procedure in place. So, if you need more information, please do go to our website or contact us for more information on that. So, so thank you both. So, moving on to the the next question, um, what would you consider to be the most challenging aspects of wound management, and of these, which are the most urgent to address, in your opinion? So Kirsi, would you like to, to start?
1: Thank you, Samantha. Be, perhaps uh, mainly the same as I said before. I think the early diagnosis and early referral to specialist care, so that the multidisciplinary team can, can, take, the, uh, can take the patient and can, can like uh, treat him holistically. And, And also that we can use the new technology so that the wound patients are early enough referred to wound healing centers. And in this, uh, I think that the, the primary care should be strengthened more with the wound patient. There should be also some specialized primary care centers. And I think that a GP if he is interested in wood healing, would be a perfect person to treat them holistically. Uh, he can t- treat diabetes, hypertension, depression, obesity with with the nurses, of course. So that we we need also more specialized centers in primary care.
0: Thank you, and and Kirstie, how how might you see that working? Can you see, you know, in, in terms of the healthcare service, for example, in in Finland? Is, is there a way that could happen or is it really difficult for that sort of um, uh, initiative to begin?
1: Um, I think it is very difficult from the administrative part because traditionally GPs are trained to treat every kind of patients. But we have one example in Helsinki. It's called Viskulman Haava and there's a trained CP with trained nurses and podiatrists. And they do excellent work because they can start early compression, do early diagnosis, and then they also know when to refer the patient to the specialist care. So if we could get more of these centers, I think that would be one problem to solve the issue of the silent epidemic
0: thank you kirsi so severin um, so the question is around challenging aspects of wound management and in your opinion what's the most urgent to address
2: well there there are many uh, there are many <laughs> urgent uh, things maybe w- one is one that has been around a challenge that has always been a, a challenge since I am uh, involved in wound care and, and that hasn't changed so much maybe, is that um, too, too many patients don't have a diagnosis of, of their underlying causes of their, their wounds. And Kirstie also referred to that already in, in her statement. Uh, but it's it's uh, really something which, which saddens me to see so many uh, patients that for example, are referred with or treated with a leg ulcer, but uh, no one ever has gone to the trouble to see why does the patient have a leg ulcer? It's not automatically a venous leg ulcer. It can have many other causes. It can be an atypical wound. It can be an arterial wound, or or even if it is a venous wound, uh, they are just uh, treated as a leg ulcer, and nobody has been thinking of doing compression therapy. Things like that. that that's not a new thing. That's something which has always been a, a problem. And I think um, uh, initiatives like the, the atypical wounds document of, of Yuma is an important uh, step in that direction to just draw uh, the, the people's uh, the people who treat wounds their attention to to the fact that it's really maybe more important than just looking at the wound is to look at the underlying disease and as Kirsi already mentioned, look at the whole patient also. What what are the patient's needs really?
0: Thank you, Severin. So if I can come back to you, Kirsi, um, because Severin mentioned wound diagnosis, can you just give us a little bit of an overview and perhaps let our listeners know when we might expect to have the because there is a project on wound diagnosis. Can you just tell us a little bit about the timeline for that, and when we can expect some...
1: Uh, Yes, we are starting uh, to write a document on venous leg ulcer diagnostics, where we would include these typical causes like venous leg ulcers, arterial, mixed, uh, uh, but also these atypical wounds. And and it it is uh, we try to be as holistic as we can, but also as simple as, uh, as we can, because I I, treat, I teach to medical students that there are six things you must keep in mind. And first come the three eyes, i's. Infection, ischemia, insulin, that is diabetes. And those things you must exclude also at emergency departments. And then come the three not so acute causes. Pressure, swelling and venous insufficiency and atypical causes. But if you keep these six things clearly in mind, every time you see a wound patient, then, then you can be successful. And, and remember also that more and more wounds are multi etiological So one cause does not exclude another. So you must go systema- systematically through this whole list. And after that, I here I must highlight also, the important work of tissue viability nurses, because we physicians do the diagnosis, but after that, the tissue viability nurses have a huge role. And and because there is some secret in the work they do, I see patients that are treated by tissue viability nurses who can do the the proper mechanical deprivement, compression, and then the wound heal. So the secret is first the exact diagnosis and then the hands-on work of a good nurse. So that, that's the key for success.
0: Thank you very much, Kirstie. So moving on to um, thinking about the next five years, how do you see wound management developing? So Severin, perhaps I can come to you first. What's your vision for the next five years, would you say, in wound care?
2: well there are a few trends and developments that that i that i see and most of them i think have started already and we we've mentioned them already for example telemedicine is certainly something that we have learned during the pandemic how important it can be and that will uh, develop further and i think uh, we're only at the very beginning of seeing artificial intelligence being used for for these applications to, to diagnose uh, a wound, to, to diagnose the, the situation and the state of a wound. And that in turn will uh, largely increase the possibilities for self-care of, of patients. So uh, patients may become a, a little bit more independent and more able to care for their wounds uh, themselves. That would be, um, I think, a, a welcome development. And another one that that I see, I think the I, I mentioned the the advanced treatments as, as something that um, I've uh, observed over the last few years, and I think the, the, that will continue. And but I think the key point for that to continue will be the reimbursement situation and the uh, the regulations. So if if we manage to get the national authorities and the European authorities to to have the regulation so that these treatments can be used in the various countries and mostly also to regulate the reimbursement. I think we will see a lot more of these treatments. And that's a good development, although one might say, okay, but that makes wound care more expensive, because naturally many of these treatments are very expensive. But I think many of them are also very cost-effective. They are expensive, but cost-effective. And and maybe that's also an aim where uh, studies should go uh, in the future to, to put more emphasis on cost-effectiveness effectiveness of, of various treatments. If we can really show that a certain treatment, which costs a 1,000 or 2,000 euros or, or whatever, um, shortens the treatment period for uh, one particular patient by so and so many weeks, then we, we have gained in the end also economically.
0: Yeah, some really good points there. And often I think we have to think about investing in order to save money in the long run, don't we? So as you say, investing in some new technologies that may shorten you know, the, 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 the period of time a patient has a wound. Uh, but I uh, another important point you made was around self-care. And I think it's important to mention we're not trying to say that all patients have to self-care, but actually they are part of the team, that multidisciplinary team. So actually involving them in their care um, should improve things. You know, we know we've got the humour person-centered document that talks very much about that. So thank you, Severin. And. Um, Kirsi, the same for you, sort of in the next five years, what do you hope to see working as a dermatologist?
1: One one thing perhaps comes to my mind that if we could if we could get more patient organizations that could help for, for advocacy, because uh, that could improve self-care and also advocacy, so that we, we could get the patient's voice more, more visible in the in the in the advocacy part.
0: Thank you, Kirstie. So how do you think you might do that? How could you tackle that? You know, how do we encourage people to come forwards and be involved and get that patient voice, would you say?
1: Well, it needs some some five to ten patients that are ready for that work and who are active and and who can tell very clearly? They point. We have, have some some thoughts in Finland, but uh, sometimes uh, these things also take time. But I think it must come from the active patients, and then as healthcare professional, could uh, be uh, in supporting them. But uh, but the first the first voice should be the theirs. But of course, they need our support.
0: Yeah, and I know, you know, in the past, as you'll know, Severin, Yuma's worked hard on advocacy advocacy projects uh, in order to improve healthcare policies. So I guess it's, you know, again, a call out to anyone listening to this podcast if they want to be involved to to certainly get in touch and discuss that with us. So moving on to, um, to one of our final questions, actually, is what role do you think Yuma and other wound management societies can or should play in the continuous development of research, education, and clinical practice in relation to wound wound management. Uh, Severin, what's your thoughts?
2: Well, I, I think YUMA has really established itself um in the 30 years of its existence as the uh, maybe most important uh, wound care organisation in in Europe if if not even further afield and as as an authority in in this uh, in in this field and so i think um Yuma has played this role already and, and should continue to play uh, an important role for advocacy, for really supporting new developments uh, in in wound care to make it possible that uh, new treatments and, and also new trends that we have been discussing can uh, can be implemented. And also in, in disseminating and implementing uh, knowledge, um, which is something that has always been a, a strong point of humor, and, and I think that should also, in the next few years, be uh, continue to be one of the main focuses of, of humor i'm thinking for example of um, the education of, of medical doctors where we we still have a long way to go because uh, in most medical curricula um, wound care does not have an important enough uh, place yet but with uh, the establishment, for example, of of um, uh, wound uh, care specialist title for doctors, uh, where the Yuma where Yuma has been playing an important part, um, I think we're moving one step closer to that.
0: Thank you, Severin. Actually, just on that point, Kirstie, um regarding the European Association of Fellows in Wound Healing, you represent Yuma as part of that. Have you got any update for us on? On that, those specialist um, training.
1: Yes, we have an international course uh, in in January for for the for uh, medical doctors, so that they can do the specialization. It is the first part of the course, but there is there's a special program that has a curricula, and and there are courses also in Romania and Slovenia coming. So there, there is very Um, very much of an active work within that field. So I hope that in the next five years, we get more and more physicians that are specialized in wood healing in Europe.
0: Thank you, Kirstie. So maybe that's a call for uh, Swiss physicians, Severin, to (laughs) take that up?
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. As always, it takes someone to just really... um, take the initiative and then it's happening. That's what we have learned over these years also. And and it's nice to see all over Europe that uh, in, in more and more places this this is happening. And I hope also in Switzerland very soon.
0: Thank you, Severin. And of course, you mentioned nurses earlier, Kirsi, as being a very important part. And just to remind our listeners again that we do have the uh, nurse curriculum documents for levels five, six and seven, and very, very soon, uh, the student nurse curriculum as well that, that will be available. So we're trying to push that education agenda. But yes, just, so to come back to the discussion, Kirsty, it was around what UMA and other wound management societies can or should play in the continuous development of research, education and clinical practice in wound management.
1: Yes, I agree with Severin that Yuma definitely is a, is a trendsetter and a leader, and of course, other societies also, and they, they do an important work. And, and within Yuma, we have now new research projects. Alexandra Marquez, Marquez is chairing that group, and thanks to Samantha. We have a good plan for educational activities. We are developing our educational platforms, perhaps do more di- digitalization. And, and of course, we are waiting hardly for the Yuma Paris Congress that we can meet physically because that, that is very important for, for clinicians. At Yuma Congresses, you get the recent knowledge, the recent research, what is happening in the wound healing in the wound healing world and and then you can network with with other clinicians so I think for clinicians that is a very important part.
0: Thank you Kirsi. So I'd like to thank you both very much for your insights and thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the second episode of the Yuma podcast focusing on 30 years of the European Wound Management Association our next podcast episode will focus on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on wound management across Europe. Our guests will be Professor Christine Moffat and Professor Alberto Piagesi. Don't forget that you can listen to our previous podcast episodes by visiting our website, www.uma.org. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, don't forget to like and share it with your colleagues. We also hope to see you at the next Humor Conference on the 1st to the 3rd of February 2022 in Paris, France. Until next time, thank you for listening.